What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. Here we go, Revelation 12, and let's pray that we finish Revelation 12 today. It's been three weeks at 12, but we had to put on the brakes a little bit, okay? So, Father, we welcome you in this place. We acknowledge that you are here. We acknowledge apart from you, we can do nothing. You are the one who gives, and if you don't give, we don't have. Fill us now with your truth. Your word is truth. And help us as the people of God to learn how to fight together. As we are in this battle, as we are in war, as we see the enemy, he is fighting back. He hates us. And he's actively fighting against us. He's actively fighting to destroy your church. And so, God, I pray you would raise your people up and awaken them to the war that is going on. So we look to you now. We look to you now. As the clay would look to the potter, God. We need your hand upon our life more than we know. We humble ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Revelation 12, verse 1. It says, a great sign appeared in heaven and the woman, and the woman is Israel. Woman is Israel. We went over that two weeks ago. Clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head were a, on her head were a crown of twelve stars. Verse two. She was pregnant and crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon. That is Satan. Satan, with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems and his. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. And remember, listen, this isn't a pro-choice, pro-life, pro-choice argument right now that's going on. There is a spiritual war because Satan hates what's in the womb. Don't ever forget that. This is why we can't get too mad at people. Our battle's not against flesh and blood. Verse 5, she gave, to, she gave birth to a male child, which is Jesus, the one who's to rule the nations with a rod of iron. And by the way, Revelation 19, you'll see him coming back to rule with a rod of iron. Psalm chapter 2, rule with a rod of iron. We already went over that. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. So Jesus, after he... He died on the cross, was buried, raised from the dead. He, he, he gave directions to his church, go and make disciples, wait for the Holy Spirit, and then he went up to heaven. So he's caught up to God on his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared for God in which she has been nourished for 1,260 days. That's the last three and a half years of the tribulation period. Now a war rose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. And I want you to highlight that, please. They fought back. There's a war and they fought back. So last week I asked you, Christian, disciple, are you fighting back right now? Are you fighting back? Do you know how to fight back? 
Have you been trained to fight back? Do you understand the schemes and the wiles of the enemy? Are you aware of what is really, really going on? Are you discerning enough to know, wait a minute, I'm walking in confusion right now, but the Lord said God is not the author of what? Confusion, but a power, love, and a sound mind. So I have a sound mind, God. I have a sound mind, God. This confusion, it's not of you, God. It's not of you. And so I just release that. I come against the enemy in the name of Jesus, and I tell it to go. Every demonic attack against me right now, I tell it to go in Jesus' name, and I just declare over my life I have a sound mind according to your word. And I'm pressing into that. This is how we fight, guys. This is how we fight. A.W. Tozer has a book, I Talk Back to the Devil. I haven't read the book. I love the title, though. <laughs> I just want to be, just be honest with you. That's a great title. I Talk Back to the Devil. A.W. Tozer. Do you know, on average, I get about two books a week from people to read? Pastor Chris, you got to read this book. And it's okay. Don't get mad if I, don't, if I ain't got to it yet, though. Help me, God. Verse 8. He was defeated. Hallelujah. Now, this has not happened, this defeat, that he was defeated on the cross. God made a, a public, public spectacle of him on the cross, so there was a defeat there. But there's also going to be a defeat here in the last three and a half years of the tribulation period. And then there's going to be the millennial reign, and there'll be another war and another defeat as well. So Satan, here's a prophecy, right, for him. He's going to be defeated. He's going to get defeated again. Listen, you're going to get defeated as well. I'm going to get defeated as well. Why? We're at war. But here's the deal. A righteous man falls how many times? Seven. And what? Gets back up again. Why? Because we have the undefeated life of Christ, the resurrection and the life. We can't die. I get defeated, but I can't die. I'm going to always come back because the Holy Spirit's in me. I want you to turn to Ephesians 6.10, please. Now, keep your place in Revelation 12. We're always going to be coming back. You want to take your brochure and just kind of stick it in there. But I really, really want you to see this because uh, it's important that we know that this is going on so that we walk in a reality. Hey, wait a minute. We're at war right now. We're at war right now. Ephesians 6.10. Again, verse 8 hasn't happened yet. And so right now, presently, we're in Ephesians 6.10. So this is your jam. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. My might comes from the Lord. My strength comes from the Lord. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes. You want to highlight that. Schemes could be tricks, wiles, 
There's over 20 different tricks and schemes in the Bible concerning Satan. Over 20. And it's important if we're at war, we know the kind of weapons that the enemy has. Right? You don't, you don't bring a knife to, to a gunfight. Right? So we've got to understand the movement of the enemy so that we can recognize it. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. So if we've got to recognize the movement, that means we have a responsibility to get trained. To get trained. To be trained. Because God's will is for you to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil. Where? In the heavenly places. I want to highlight that. In the heavenly places. We talked last week about Daniel 10, Prince of Persia, Prince of Greece that there is a real war that's going on right now in the heavenly places, and we are taking battle in that. It's why I spent so much time last week talking about Daniel and how he prayed and fasted for 21 days. This war was in heaven, but the, after the 21-day fast, the answer came on earth. When we move heaven, it comes down to earth. And so this is our reality now, that there is a heavenly battle that is going on that's going to change, and we're going to see that here in a minute. I want you to go back to Revelation chapter 12, and I want you to look at verse 10. We're going to get there in a minute, but I want you to see this. This is what's going to happen where, where Satan's no longer allowed access in the heavenlies, but it says the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before God. Right now, Satan can accuse you before God. He has access. Job chapter 1, it talks about Satan bringing accusations against Job. Verse 9, Revelation 12, and that great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil. And by the word, by the way, the word devil means slanderer, defamer, false accuser. Slanderer, defamer, false accuser. And Satan, Satan means adversary. So he is your adversary. When you think of Satan, think of adversary. He is against you. He hates you. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy your life. He is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He hates you, and he hates your kids, and he hates your family, and he hates your marriage, and he hates your church, and he hates your pastor, and he hates those elders, because if you strike the shepherd, what? What will happen? The sheep will be scattered. There's many people in here in positions of leadership, in ministries. And I want you to understand that Satan is going to try to and will 
constantly try to strike you because you're standing in your role as a shepherd because he wants to scatter sheep. I was visiting Louisiana. There was a guy, huge church, got caught years ago with a prostitute, ministry went away, drove by, what's that building for? Wow, that's a huge building, that's a huge building, that's a huge building, empty, torn down, vacant, oh, that was so-and-so's church. Where'd all the sheep go? They all left. They crumbled. They're gone. Please pray for your leaders. Those of you who are over sheep, like we're all sheep, by the way, (laughs) but we've got to intercede for those that are above us. And man, please pray for me, guys. Please pray for my kids. Why do pastor's kids get a bad rap? Because if my son or my daughter is living foul, what happens here? It discredits. Because scripture says wisdom is justified by her what? Children. Therefore, this guy must not be wise. Look at his children. So please pray for our children, the leader's children. This is so serious, guys. This is what the enemy does. And we wonder why pastor's kids are always right. That's one of the reasons. Because sometimes when the enemy can't get the pastor or the pastor's wife, he's going to go after the kids. I had a lady come here one time, and my kid didn't, didn't say hi or whatever. I, I don't know. He's like 11. She's like, he is so rude. That's a pastor. Look, lady, I don't need you at our church. I, I don't need that kind of, we don't need that kind of immature type of judgments condemning a child instead of saying you know what man these kids around here they're rude hey can i serve in children's church oh oh that would be a real christian be careful of striking the shepherds Because you're going to scatter sheep. Satan, adversary, deceiver. You see that in nine? He's the deceiver. Deceiver. Here's the difference between Christianity and Islam, by the way. In the Quran, Allah is called the great deceiver. Oh, you didn't know that, did you? True story. Different God. Jehovah and Allah aren't the same. Right? This is why you can't be a Freemason. Come see me. If you are, we can talk about your secrets and your vows that they make, made you make. We can talk about that. 
Because Jesus says, don't make any vows. All right, help me, God. It's a different religion. Allah is the great deceiver. That's what their book says. Our book says Satan is a what? Deceiver. Not the same. He's the deceiver of what? The whole world. Hey, guys, guys, guys. How? Just yesterday, I heard this whole world is going to bleep. Some dude said that to me complaining about gas at the gas station. Listen, we, we're not the ones who wonder why this is happening. We're the ones who know that the whole world is under deception. It is only those who are in Christ, who have the spirit of truth, that have the ability to discern truth. Apart from Christ, without the Holy Spirit, ooh, deception reigns. And you can re read Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 5, if you want to go deeper on that. We don't have time. But it says the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The whole world. Those without the gospel, they're under deception. I'm a good person. Deception. Deception. He was thrown down, hallelujah, to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Wow. We're going to be watching this from heaven, by the way, if, if pre-trip happens. If mid-trip happens, we'll be watching it. Pre-wrath happens, we'll be watching it, because this is the last three and a half years. Now, if there's no rapture, guess what? He's angry. He's here, and he ain't leaving to the heavenlies, all forces on planet Earth. That's why I'm pre-trib. <laughs> now, if you guys think, this guy shouldn't be playing around, we've already talked about this as a church. We're moving on, and we're not going to shoot each other. I want you to look at, at, at Ephesians 6.10 again. Uh, you know what? Let's, let's do this. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 2. So again, Ephesians 6.10, go back. There, the word schemes, again, there's over 20 schemes. You need to know what those schemes are. So he's the father of lies. He's an angel of light. So just because someone says, I'm a bishop, I'm an evangelist, I'm a pastor, I'm a this, we're told not to, to kind of uh, 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 be in awe of that. What we're told by Jesus is there's beware, 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 because many, many false prophets, they've gone out into the world. That we need to beware because there's many people who are coming in the flock of God, and they're actually wolves in sheep's clothing, and you can tell what kind of tree it is by the fruit that they bear. And so we have to be aware of that. And so 
2 Corinthians 2.11. Look at what Paul says. So that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we're not ignorant of his designs. You could also put schemes there. So, Christian, please write this down. If Paul got to the place where he was not ignorant of the schemes, I can get to that place too. If Paul got to that place, God's no respecter of person. If Paul got to that place where any situation was going on, he was able to discern that's the enemy. That's not God. Man, the look on, listen, I've, I've had to say that a couple times to people. The look on their face, that's not God. We've got to be a discerning people because our battle's not against flesh and blood. There's a lot of well-sounding things that many good-meaning and well-meaning Christians are wanting to do, but sometimes it's not God. It's the enemy that's coming, trying to make you busy. Busy, being under Satan's yoke, busy. I have seen people hold on to forgiveness, unforgiveness. And walk with bitter root judgments in them, unwilling to release that person because they think if I forgive them, I've got to be friends with them. Or if I forgive them, I'm releasing them of what they've done. Listen, it is so dangerous for a believer to walk with unforgiveness and bitterness. We've got to get rid of it, guys. And that's the enemy. He wants you to not forgive because then he has a place in your life. I've seen people in the church, and, and in fact, last week I kind of said it, a lot of people are, are going to walk out of here and nothing's going to change in their life because we don't take Jesus's movement seriously where he sent people out in twos. So if I don't have somebody in my life that knows things that I'm dealing with, struggling with, Decisions I'm about to make where I can be completely transparent, vulnerable, and intimate, where I say, man, this is where I am. Please pray for me. You see, that's where, where, where Jesus was with Peter, right? Hey, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And who is that friend that's sticking closer to a brother that knows all your stuff? I'm at the place with my wife. Because she's, she's healthy in Christ. Where I can say, hey, baby, listen, I've been struggling with my eyes and my looks. Will you pray for me? And she's like, oh, man, what is wrong with you? You are so immature. You are in. No, I don't have drama with my mama. Mm-mm. There's no drama. There's no drama. Because we're, we're at a level of intimacy and a depth of relationship. I never knew it could go so deep. And God did that. But some of you, listen, we have spouses that are damaged. And they get offended. If we would ever express something like that. Listen, if that's you, you need, you need some help. There's people in this body that can help you. 
And you just like, like, look, I didn't, again, I felt led in prayer and worship coming down in my car today to church, singing to God to bring my wife and Susie up today. That's why I did it. And then when I was standing here, I'm like, Darcy, you come up too. So there's just, there's no plan, right? I'm trying to follow the spirit, the spirit. And so how, how can a spouse continue to walk with somebody who's just sick, 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 and, and, and not saying, baby, we got to deal with this. And we got to go to the church because I've went to you one-on-one, but you don't care. So I got to obey Jesus, not worry about you blowing up on me because that's the fear of man. I got to obey Jesus, and so one-on-one, then I bring two, and then I go to the elders. I've got to obey Jesus in this. But some of us are just, we don't want to rock the cradle. We don't want to. Anyway, I'm not trying to do a marriage thing today. <sighs> timing is important in this because I'm, I'm, I'm looking around. Listen, timing's important. But, man, a lot of times because of fear of man, fear of what they might do, right, we just hold back. The church is here for you. We're going to fight with you. We're going to fight for you. I want you to turn over to 2 Corinthians 11. And this is going to scare some of you, and it should, because it's God's word. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A lot of us were too flippant with our life, this life that God has given us. Second Corinthians 11, 4. Again, this is written to the church of Jesus Christ. Verse 3. But I'm afraid as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. The deception comes and we're led astray from a pure and sincere devotion. Listen. If someone comes up for prayer, my, my question is, okay, hey, is there anything that's going to hinder God from moving in your life, from stopping this prayer? Because Isaiah 59 says, God's ear isn't dull that he can't hear. His arm's not too short that he cannot save, but his, your sins have separated you from God, so he does not hear. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, deal with your wives in an understanding way because they're a weaker vessel. Be very gentle with them so that your prayers aren't hindered. So if a husband is not gentle and understanding with his bride, God's not going to hear their prayer. Where's the grace, Chris? This is grace. Truth is grace. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth cannot be separated or else it's not grace. Oh, in the area area of sloppe agape do we live. Verse 4, 2 Corinthians 11. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed... Or if you receive a different spirit, you might want to highlight that. He's speaking to the church. 
And he's telling them, if you've received a different spirit, small s, church, we've got to wake up on this. How many people today are walking with different spirits in them and the Holy Spirit? Got real quiet, and it should. Battle's not against flesh and blood. If you receive a different spirit than the one you receive, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. Putting up with a false gospel, we shouldn't do it. Putting up with another spirit, we shouldn't do it. But so many Christians unknowingly because they don't know the schemes of the devil, because they're ignorant. They're ignorant because they do not train. They won't come to this training. They won't come to this Bible study group. They won't get a partner. They'll hold them accountable. And they're in schemes of the enemy. And he's playing with them like a little cat and a mouse. And, and they actually get to the place where they can walk with another spirit when the Holy Spirit is inside of them. Go back to Revelation 12. So Christian, listen, in order for you to fight back, you've got to know the schemes of the enemy. He is going to deceive you. He is going to trick you. Verse 10, Revelation 12, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. Praise God. For the accuser of our brothers, now I want you to highlight that, has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before God. The reason why I had you highlight that is because this is one of the main schemes of the enemy. Where there's an accusation in your heart. I just don't like that person. I just don't like them. Well, where did that come from? Let me tell you, that didn't come from Jesus. Because he loves them, he died for them. That may have come from somewhere else. And when you have accusations against somebody, now this is what a disciple does right now. Holy Spirit, am I holding any accusations towards anyone? Now, here's the deal. I know from this message so far, there's some of you who already have some accusations against me. Because that's how the enemy works. And he's in the church, by the way, every Sunday. Because some of us bring him in. Unknowingly. I don't like this sermon. Be careful of your accusation. As a joke. But listen, do you have accusations against your brothers and sisters in Christ? Well, guess what team you might be playing for? Well, what if it's true, Chris? Hey, listen, then have you gone to them one-on-one -on -one like Jesus commands in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15? If you have something against someone, you go to them one-on-one. -on -one. 
Have you obeyed Matthew 5, where it says if you know somebody has something against you, you leave your gift at the altar, and you go make it right with them? See, we don't obey Jesus, so we walk with accusations against one another. And when we have judgments and accusations against one another, it grieves the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we don't see God heal. We don't see God move. And we blame the ministry. We blame the church. When reality is, many people are walking around with judgments and accusations and sin and ought against one another. And it's grieving the Holy Spirit because Psalm 133 says how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. You cannot have unity with accusations and judgments. My wife is accusing me right now of yelling. (laughs) I'm kidding, baby. Guys, look, these, these battles aren't hard to win. The victory's ours. We just got to begin to walk in the word. We got to discern the enemy. How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It's the oil dripping down on Aaron's beard. Oil represents the Holy Spirit. Aaron's beard. Aaron was the priest of God. You are the priest of God. You are royal priests. But there's no unity with accusations and judgments. So, Christian, do you have any accusations or judgments? Verse 11. I want you to highlight this, and I want you to write, this is how I fight. This is how I fight. This is how I fight. There's three things here. They have conquered him by the blood of the lamb. That's number one. By the word of their testimony. That's number two. And they love not their lives even to death. That's number three. These three things are how you fight back. This is how we battle. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1, please. Ephesians chapter 1. Jesus, when he was doing communion with the disciples, this is my body broken for you. This is the blood of the new covenant. Covenant means to bind together, to fetter. It means there is a oneness That cannot be broken because it was put together by the blood of Christ. And we are now one with God. We are one with God. We have union with God. That's what Jesus' prayer, Father, that maybe be one, but like you and I are one. We're one with, he says, abide in me, abide in me. This is a glorious gospel. Union with God. Look at Ephesians 1. Verse 3, because of his blood, we have every spiritual blessing. Every, every. Oh, I feel like I'm poor. I feel like I lack. No, 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 no. Listen, this is what you have. By the blood, by the blood, by the blood. We were chosen, verse 4, by the blood. We're holy and blameless by the blood. We're predestined to adoption, verse 5, by the blood. And it was his purpose to spill his blood in order to have me. To the praise of his glorious grace, verse 6. And we have been blessed in the beloved by his blood. By his blood. We have redemption, verse 7, through his blood for the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of our grace. You are so rich, no matter what your bank account says. He lavished it upon us with all wisdom and insight. 
making known to us the mystery of his will to unite all things in him. And it keeps going, it keeps going, it keeps going by the blood of the lamb, by the blood of the lamb, as we stand in our identity. There's an aspect where, yeah, you need to go get training, but there's also an aspect of, in your identity, you have everything you need right now in Christ. Everything. You have it. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. It's in you. So standing in our identity, which is given to us now, as sons and daughters of the Most High, it's because of the blood of Christ. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. And when we walk in our identity and stand in that, that's how we can fight properly. When we do it out of our own strength and our own identity and our own name, no, 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 no. We come in the name of Jesus. The second thing here that you see, the word of their testimony, they speak truth. They don't care if they're canceled. They don't care if they're liked. They speak truth, the word of their testimony. They, they give the word of this testimony. And, none, and understand, the testimony isn't about them. This is why Jesus warned us in Matthew chapter 7, in the end, many are going to come in my name saying, didn't we do, many are going to come saying, didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we do this in your name? And he's going to say, I never knew you. Why? Because they were thinking they were doing it in his name. If anything happens today, it's not because of me, it's not because of the mess, it's not because of the worship, it's not because of anything. It's because God did it. He did it. We just got to show up. I want you to turn to, to, to Psalm 40, please. Psalm 40. And I want you to see why David was a man after God's own heart. Because it wasn't about David. David knew that he was a little guy playing worship with a pure heart in front of sheep. And in one day, God brought him from the sheep pens right into the king's palace. He became a superstar without any marketing, promotion, email, website. No likes, no loves. In fact, he was so disregarded, they didn't even bring him to the front when it was time to anoint the next king. His own family thought he wasn't good enough but to watch sheep. We're not even bringing this guy up here. Anyway, this is Psalm 40. I'm waiting patiently for the Lord. He heard my cry. He drew me up. He drew me up. I didn't come up out of this. He drew me up. He set me free. He set my feet on the rock. He makes my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, those who go astray after a lie. Who's the father of lies? You have multiplied Lord, my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. No one can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. And sacrifices and offerings you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. You can't hear without God. Can't hear without God. 
come to do your will. Look at verse 8. I delight to do your will. Your law was in my heart. See, it's part of the new covenant. I'll write your law on my, on my heart, the new covenant. I've told the glad news of the deliverance in the congregation. You did it, God. Behold, I've not restrained my lips. As you know, Lord, I've not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I've not spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I've not concealed your steadfast love, your faithfulness from the great congregation. The testimony was not about them. It was about what the Lord has done. And these, this is how we fight. When we begin to point to us, to our ministry, to what we're doing, we run a big, big risk. God did that. That's why I like praying with multiple people here. Because it might not have been Pastor Chris's prayer. It might have been Damaris's prayer. Or angels. Or Lydia praying for angel because she lives with angel. <laughs> and she knows he needs help. I'm kidding. <laughs> Anyway, listen, he gets the glory. Third thing. Third thing. They didn't love their life. This is probably the biggest one. We have identity. Number one, we have humility because it's all about him. It's all for him. The testimony is about him. It's not about us. It's about him. But the third thing here, man, do we really, really love God more than we love our own life? I have no time to serve, says the Christian. And the reality is, you make time for what's important to you. You love your own life. Let's just be honest. It's not because you don't have time. And it's, it's amazing when I, can, when I sit with people who claim they have no time, but then I say, write down your schedule. And all of a sudden we see it's just not a reality. You make time for what's important to you. So the, so the thing is, I don't have time to serve because I, I, I love my own life. Even coming to church. So today, there's no parking, is there? So here's, here's where we are, church. <laughs> Last two Sundays, right, we had 34 people. And then the next week, we got 67 people in the 11 o'clock service. 3467, right? It's just like, so we're trying to make decisions. How can we, right? And now we, we bring everybody together, and now we don't have any parking. <laughs> and I want you to turn to Luke 416, because, because this is also a reality of the church. We claim to follow Jesus, but we don't do what he did. Luke 416. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom. You might want to highlight that. It is not the custom of the American church. You know what the custom of the American church is? 
once a month on average. Those are the averages, guys. Once a month coming to church. It's why our church, our church, church, bow down. You're getting rebuked right now. 34, then 60, whatever. And so, like, when, we, when you're at 34, okay, we got to go to one service or something. Now we go to one service and we don't have a part. You know, so it's because people don't have a custom. And, and how many people are not here today because it's not their custom they're on a boat right now? Because it's not their custom. It's legalism. Watch out for those accusations. I'm pointing you to Jesus. What was his custom? Every Sabbath, he was there with the people of God. He was in the Father's house. He was loving his brethren. He was using his gifts to strengthen the body of Christ. He was available to serve. He was preaching. He was proclaiming prophecy. He was using the gifts that God gave him. It was his custom to be there. American Christians come once a month, on average, to church. Where's Jeremy? Is Jeremy here? It's the wrong day not to show up, Jeremy. <laughs> ah, there he is, my man. Stand up. So, Jeremy, I'm so proud of this guy. Jeremy, how long have you been saved? But what's just happened recently? Right. So, serious about God. It's getting serious about God. He got a job on a Sunday. On a, on a yacht, right? Like a like potentially pretty big mucho dinero job. <laughs> he took the job, was in his quiet time, called the person back. You know what? I've got to go to church Sunday. I can't do the job. And he turned down the money. You know what that is, Jeremy? It's you fulfilling. And by the way, Jeremy's single. Um, <laughs> Hey, sit down, bro. Sit down, bro. <laughs> Ladies, right here, right here, right here. We got fin- to finish. Jeremy said, I, 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 I don't love my life. I don't love my life. I want God more. I'm going to sacrifice to be with God and the people of God because worship's important to me. And so, guys, we're called to victory, victory, victory in Jesus' name. We've got to start fighting back. And, and how? By the blood, by the blood, by the blood. You are in Christ. This is your new identity. Testify, testify, testify. Not what you do, not how much you do. It's what he has done because I'm less than dirt apart from him. Apart from him, we can do nothing. And the third thing, what's the third thing? I can't love my life. can't love my life. And here's the reality, Christian. We do love our life more than we love God. I can't stop sinning. No, listen, that's not the issue. It's because you don't love God to the place where you don't want to sin. Jesus said, I always do what pleases the Father. The motive for obedience is not legalism, it's love. Because I love him more than I love my life, I will totally just kind of 
Get rid of it all because I want to get to the place where I love you more. I love you more. I love you more. I love you more. I want to love you more. And when we fall, mess up, God, it's just exposed in me that I love me more than I love you. So please change me, God. I don't want to love my life more than I love you. And so that prayer of humility starts with honesty and truth that I love my life more than I love God. Some of us are afraid to even say that. Don't be afraid. Be honest. Because God desires truth in the inward parts. And a broken and contrite spirit, he will not despise. He will not put you down. So you have to say, God, I want to live like, I, like, like my money's my money. And I'm not going to give so it hurts. I'm going to give what's left over like the Pharisees. Remember the rich young ruler? Now I'm hitting everybody. They gave out of their abundance, so it really didn't matter. It's like a tip. She gave all she had. Oh, God, because I don't give like that. I just, I love my life too much. So, God, help me. How can I begin to give so that it hurts? Worship team, come on up. That's how we fight, guys. You can read on 12. It's not that complicated. We're going to 13 next week. Father, we just love you. We just praise you, God. Lord, I pray right now for the church. You would help us to not be ignorant of the schemes of the enemy. That you would just begin to expose them right now. And as we quiet our hearts before you, some people are here. They love you, God. They do, but, but they've, been, they've been moved off of pure devotion because of the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. And the heart that you gave Jeremy where being in your presence is more important than making money, I pray that over our flock. I pray that over our flock. God, we just repent. If there's anything right now in our life where the enemy's having his way in us, where we're under deception, Father, just, just expose that now. In Jesus' name, we ask. And Father, there's areas in my, our life where they've become hardened, ruts we've been stuck in. God, please pull us out by your grace. And Lord, if there's areas where we really, really have, have really loved ourselves more than we love you, may we just say, we're sorry, Dad. Forgive me. And help me to love you more than I love myself. Help us to fight back, God. We need you, Jesus. Be blessed by our worship now as we sing to you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.